Hear now the word of the Lord from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 5. For we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus as Lord and ourselves as slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is God who said, Let the light shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in clay jars, so that it may be made clear that the extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted on every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given over to, up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. Father, today we pray that you would speak to us in a way that we can understand. Lord, may your word be like seed planted in fertile ground, that as it is planted within us, that it might bear forth the fruit that you desire. Lord, thank you for this moment, and may now, Lord, the meditation of my heart and the words of my lips be pleasing to you, O Lord, my God and Redeemer. Amen. I imagine that if you have raised children or are raising children, or if you're caring for an aging parent, you know what it's like to experience the crushing pressures of life. I imagine that you, if you have sensed a call to serve God in some way, and in that serving of God, you've experienced setbacks. You know what it's like to have come up with questions of wondering why that's happened. I imagine that if you've gone through a series of setbacks at home or at work and have been openly attacked by others, you have felt as though you've been under a relentless attack by those forces. If you've lost a job, have had a marriage to end in divorce, lost a loved one, or have experienced a huge negative medical diagnosis, you know what it's like to be knocked off balance. You know, for more than a year, we've been in the midst of a season of this pandemic that all of these kinds of things in our lives have been amplified because of what we've experienced through COVID-19. And quite honestly, in this season, many of us, including yours truly, have been sent reeling by a lot of those kinds of experiences in life. And so we wonder, is it possible to live through these experiences without being destroyed, without experiencing some kind of 
psychological, mental, and emotional pain that will scar us for the rest of our lives? Is it in some way possible to live in such a way that not only we survive, but we can thrive in the midst of such things? Paul here in 2 Corinthians provides believers with this huge message of hope when we encounter these kinds of things. And this morning I want to invite you to join me for just a few moments to think about and to realize what Paul is trying to say and communicate so that we can live into the great hope that is present here. Paul, as he presents this particular passage, builds his case by drawing a contrast, a big contrast, a contrast between God and us. Now, most of you would probably agree with me that there is a huge contrast between who God is and who we are, right? After all, God is the creator of this entire universe, and we are creatures God created. God is all-powerful. God can do anything at any time. God is all-powerful, and we are limited in our powers, right? God is all-knowing. God knows everything there is to know or ever will need to know. God even knows what you're thinking at this very moment. But we are limited in our knowledge, even when Google is available to us. We're limited in our knowledge. God is omnipresent, meaning God is everywhere all the time in every moment. Time has little bearing on God's existence, and we are very much time-bound, meaning we can only be in one place at one time. We can't return to a particular place that we have been in that moment, which was, nor can we move forward into the future that sometimes we might want to. We're limited in our existence. God, here, as presented in Scripture, Paul tells us, about Jesus and points out that there's a huge difference between who we are and who Jesus is as God. Paul points out that Jesus is Lord and we are slaves, meaning Jesus is the CEO of the entire cosmos and we are His servants. Jesus is the CEO of the company, and we are mere temp workers. We are at the lowest mark, and Jesus is at the highest mark. He holds the highest rank, we hold the lowest rank. Now, understanding that contrast is so critical in understanding this central image that Paul is trying to communicate. He says that we are clay jars that hold a treasure, and that treasure is God. We are jars of clay, and within us there is to be this treasure, and that treasure is to be God. Now imagine that for just a second. The greatest, the ultimate, the one that's beyond all things, the great treasure of the universe, residing in us as jars of clay. You know, clay jars have been used by human beings since civilization began. 
Uh, they have been used as containers to uh, contain liquids and all kinds of food products and all kinds of stuff and even various kinds of treasure throughout human existence. Uh, clay is found on nearly every part of our world and folks figured out how to mold clay and dry clay and fire clay to make it uh, kind of reliable vessels to use. I, I imagine that even in your home there are several kinds of clay vessels that you use on a regular basis, whether it's just a simple clay flower pot or whether it's some kind of fine china that you will serve your, your meals in this afternoon. Clay is such a common product and used in forming vessels. But what's interesting about clay is, and clay vessels, is that clay is very fragile. Uh, Debbie Taylor is a potter in our congregation, and some of you know Debbie and, and her husband, Aunt Bob. And, and I asked Debbie if she would provide for me some, some pottery, and, and she did. And she gave me three pieces of pottery this week that are at very, various stages of their final product. This is uh, basically clay that she has molded, and it's, it has just been air-dried. She said, this is extremely fragile, I, and I don't feel real comfortable, to be honest with you, holding this. You notice I've got both hands around it, but it's very fragile. And she said, if you actually put it back into water, it would turn into a wet, moldy clay again. This piece of pottery has been warm-dried, basically taking moisture out of it, and uh, she said this is extremely uh, uh, fragile as well. Of course, of course, you can hear kind of the, the, the sound of it. And uh, she said it, it is fragile as well. Uh, it would be quite easy for me to nick this and to ruin this piece of pottery for, for Debbie, so I'm going to put it back on the table. And then this piece of pottery here is a piece that has been fired and glazed, and it's much more durable. But guess what? If I were to drop it here on this wooden floor, I probably would fracture either the whole thing or probably knock pieces of it off. Now, I want you to think about that for just a moment. God has chosen to put in His great treasure, Him, God's self, into us as fragile jars of clay. Why in heaven's earth would God choose to do that? That doesn't make any sense at all, does it? That God would choose to place God's self into me, into you, as such fragile jars of clay. Now, probably in your life, you have known some people who have gone through some very difficult circumstances and situations and have done so with great grace and survived and have done well. You may think of uh, figures in the public life, uh, people of faith who have done that. I think of like Billy Graham and Mother Teresa who, who faced all kinds of life challenges and yet were never taken out by either scandal or attack. 
And, and sometimes we think about those folks and we might think, well, they must be made of something different than I'm made of, right? Because they, they made it through those life difficult things. How did they do it? You know, maybe sometimes we imagine, you know, they, they, they must have kind of some Kevlar kind of molded into their jar of clay, you know, that, that keeps them sturdy. And, and, you know, while in some ways many of these folks, yes, have been more hardened by life's experiences, the firing of life have made them a bit tougher, in reality they too are still fragile. They are, as all of us, jars of clay. Jars of clay, fragile. And yet, God chooses to place His presence, His treasure as treasure in us as fragile jars of clay. Uh, one of the great uh, inventions of our, uh, our, our time, uh, of course, I know it has its native uh, aspect, but are these plastic bottles, because they can hold all kinds of various things. I'm a little bit thirsty, so I'm going to cheat on you. I'm going to take a drink. Maybe it's a swig. I'm not sure. Is it, is it a drink or is it a swig? A, a swish. A swish. That makes it more religious to be a swish rather than a swig, right? Okay, all right. So I'm going to take a swish of water. But you know, these... Uh, these plastic bottles, while they have some durability about, they're, they're really kind of fragile, aren't they? You know, I, you know, just like that. Isn't that amazing? I'm strong, aren't I? I mean, I'm really strong. Folks watching online, I am really strong. Watch out. So I destroyed that bottle right there at that one, you know. But, you know, I discovered something. That if you take one of these bottles, I want to take the cap off because leaving the cap on is cheating a little bit. I feel this particular bottle, same as this one. Um, came from the same company. I filled it with sand yesterday, and I can squeeze that as hard as I can, and you see, it may leave a little indention, but it just kind of pops back into place. When these are filled with something, they are so much more durable. They are so much more durable. Why did Billy Graham and Mother Teresa, how were they able to survive all that they encountered in their lives? And they weren't immune to life just because of who they were, by the way. They encountered a lot of life. How did they survive? How did they thrive through the midst of that? It was because there was something within that kept them when the pressures of life were pressing against them. It kept them from being crushed and destroyed. The same presence, the same treasure that was in those two great people of faith is to be in you and me. The same very treasure. Paul wrote that the extraordinary power, by the way, the, the word translated in the New Revised Standard Version as extraordinary is where we get our word hyperbole. You know, it's kind of that over-the-top. Pastors use a lot of hyperbole, by the way, in their messages. You know, why run a great story with the truth, right? So we're, we're, we're good at that hyperbole stuff. 
But he says this extraordinary, this hyperbole power is not of us. It is from God. The power that enables us to survive life's greatest challenges and rise to higher planes in the midst of them isn't a part of our makeup, but it comes from God. God is the very source of the power in us. Think of it. God has chosen for His presence, His power, His glory to reside in you. The biblical language in this regard is rich. But I want to take one aspect. Last Sunday we celebrated Pentecost. And Pentecost is the celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the early believers, 120 believers gathered in the upper room. On that day the Spirit descended, and of course a lot of history has taken place since then. They were gathered to pray, and the Spirit took up residence within them. This understanding of the Holy Spirit taking up residence is a prominent New Testament theme. Jesus, as He met with His disciples prior to His crucifixion, He told them that He would ask the Father to send them another comforter. Jesus was referring to Himself, of course, as the first comforter, the one that was with them, and He was asking the Father to send another. And He said, when the Spirit comes, He will not only be with you, but will reside in you. In the early church, there was this understanding that the Holy Spirit lived within believers. Barnabas, one of my favorite biblical characters, was a man described as being full of the Holy Spirit. Paul understood this as well, and he wrote to the Romans about the Spirit dwelling within believers. And in another place, Paul wrote how that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that sounds like a lot of religious talk, but let it sink in for just a moment. God has chosen for His very presence, His very breath, the Holy Spirit, to live inside of us who follow Jesus. If you follow Jesus, the Spirit is in you. We are designed, created, made, shaped to house God's presence, God's Spirit. God created us in such a way, God created you in such a way that His Spirit could live inside of you. It's not that we have some kind of divine spark in us or that in us we've got kind of a part of God. It's not that. It's not that in some way we are God. But we who are created beings, created and designed in such a way that the Holy Other, the divine God, the creator of this universe would come and live inside of us by the Spirit. Gosh, that's big stuff. That's big stuff. We have this treasure. We have this treasure. God wants to fill each of us with this hyperbole power, His very presence, so that we can live out life fully, so that we'd not be crushed by the things that come at us, so that we can live victorious and we can share the good news with the world 
through word and deed. God wants to do that in us. And all of this, all of this, all of this is a gift of grace that God offers to us freely. Imagine that. When anyone accepts Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, God's presence comes to reside within. It's a vital part of our relationship with Him. God takes up residence inside of us and begins to fill our lives. But it's not like what happens over at the Coca-Cola bottling company. You know, they, 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 they have machines that, that fill bottles with Coca-Cola. And then once those bottles are filled, there's something that puts a cap on Either kind of twisted on or they're popped on and they're sealed. Depends on how, what kind of Coke it is, I guess, and what kind of bottle it's in. And basically, that Coke, will stay inside of those bottles for a long, long time. And you probably, like me, have seen some antique Coke bottles that have some Coke that's been in them for years and years, decades, and the Coke is still there. But guess what? We're not like that. When God fills us with the Spirit, that is a living relationship. It's not a static, happened once in our lives and that's all there is to it and there's no more to the Christian walk. There is this living, ongoing relationship with God. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he said, Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the language in the Greek is interesting here because this idea of being filled with the Spirit is in the present tense. And I know that doesn't mean much to us in the English, but in the Greek it's very significant because it indicates continuing action. In other words, continue to be filled with the Spirit. And his analogy here gives us an idea of what that's like. He says, don't be drunk with wine. You know, if somebody gets drunk, they don't stay drunk unless they keep drinking, right? Now, you may wonder, how do I know that? Well, I do know that. I won't go any further. But you've got to keep drinking to stay drunk. And to be filled with the Spirit, you've got to be continually filled with the Spirit. You know, life happens. Life happens. And we as a people who are filled with the Spirit, life happens. We minister to other people and we share the love of God with those people and the Spirit flows out of us to the other. We go through life and we experience some knocks and some bunks and some of the Spirit's shaken out of us when we go through those kinds of things. We're wounded and bruised. We need energy and just resources just to live and, and the Spirit empowers us and, 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 and just like consuming fuel in your gas tank, that fuel of the Spirit is kind of burned up inside us. And so we need to continually be filled with the Spirit to be filled with the Spirit. Know this. God designed you. God designed me to be filled and refilled and refilled and refilled with the Spirit. To be refilled again and again and again. And you know, sometimes... God just does that. God just does that. Sometimes we kind of feel empty. And God just does it. 
We hear a song. It is well with my soul. And the Spirit comes and fills us up. And we've not done anything except just listen. But then there are those moments when there needs to be some intentionality. And there's a three-part of intentionality when it comes to being filled and refilled with the Spirit. And it is to make ourselves open to the Spirit's coming. Invite the Spirit in. And then receive what God offers. I hope that on this Memorial Day weekend, when we remember the sacrifice of so many great women and men of our nation, that on this special weekend, that we would have another celebration at Udawai United Methodist Church, that you would have it in your life, that it would be a day, a weekend, where we have been filled anew and afresh with God's Spirit. Can you feel the wind blowing? Can you feel the Spirit moving? Will you ask the Spirit to come in? And now will you receive what God offers? Let's pray. Oh, come, divine wind of God. Oh, come, fire from on high. Come, fill us anew. Come, fill us afresh. We just fragile jars of clay designed for your presence. Come fill us with your divine power. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As today as we sing our final hymn, one of the things I'm glad is that with us back in person and those that are gathered in person, we have opportunity to pray at an altar. At home, if you're watching, you can make your altar at home, and that's a great place. But if you'd like to come and just pray and invite the Spirit to fill you afresh, I invite you to come as we sing.